Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Welcome to HR Latte, your connection to all things HR. Today's great HR department is foundational for today's successful business. Listen in as host Rayanne Thorne gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources. And now for your next cup of talent management, whipped to perfection. Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new series on HR Latte, The Pursuit of Happiness. I'm very excited to introduce a guest I've been trying to get on my show for quite a while, Dr. Daniel Crosby. Hey, Dr. Crosby, thanks for joining me today. So good to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. You wrote a post recently that prompted another message to you saying, hey, we need to have you on the show and we need to talk about this topic. The Pursuit of Happiness, or Can Money Buy Happiness, which is a recent post that you wrote. Before we dive into this, though, Dr. Crosby, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your company, Nocturne Capital. I know that recently you launched Nocturne Capital as the president, so I'm going to give you just a moment to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I've had a a bit of a strange career path. I am a clinical psychologist by education. About a couple years into my PhD program, I got sick of talking to sad people and said, I want to sort of apply uh, psychology to business context. So started out in organizational development and pre-employment assessment. And through a series of uh, strange and serendipitous things have found myself in the field of what's called behavioral finance which is sort of the intersection of uh, psychology and investment management. So I feel like I've uh, arrived. I feel like I'm where Uh, I need to be. uh, And it's been a lot of fun. Isn't that interesting how everything that we've done in our life can be part of the next step? I'm always fascinated when something new drops into my lap and I realize, oh, I can do this now because of what happened to me 10 years ago or because I had this job or or because I worked with these people. So I think it's really fascinating the evolution of our own lives if we really pay attention to what's been happening, uh, how we, where we end up, how we find ourselves. So I'm really happy to have you here on the show to talk about a topic that I write about personally quite often. And I think because I do that is, or why I do that is because I have struggled so often to not find happiness, but to stay in that place. And it feels like things happen to me in my life that drag me out of it. I've said this before, but one of my friends has told me that I was born under the sign of the turd, meaning bad things often happen to me to um, disrupt my journey on, I call it the actual journey, my happiness, not the destination. I'm not trying to get somewhere. I'm trying to just be in the moment and really enjoy the happiness around me. And you and I wrote posts about the same time about happiness and I actually quoted you in my post, The the Pursuit of Happiness. So let's talk about that briefly before we dive in a little bit further. The Pursuit of Happiness. So Dr. Crosby, do you think that people generally believe that happiness is a response to luck? Is it that it will just, just falls into their laps? 
Or is it something that we have to pursue, avidly pursue? I believe that people tend to think of happiness as relatively out of their control and situational. And that's what I tried to address in the post is, you know, the extent to which it is and isn't uh, in our control, the, the degree to which it is and isn't situational. Uh, in terms of the pursuit of happiness, um, I've written other posts where I talk about the difference between happiness being pursued and happiness ensuing. Uh, and, you know, your distinction about a journey and a destination is an important one, I think, because I think that people who think of happiness as a destination, and that's most of us, as certainly me, tend to get it wrong. Because there's something in psychology called the hedonic treadmill, which is a fancy word for saying uh, you're not going to be happy when you get there. You know, we think when I make X amount of dollars or when I live in this house or when I have this kid or whatever it is, I have this job, I'll be happy then. And that tends not to be the case. The, the happiest people are ones that realize that happiness ensues from doing, you know, uh, doing certain engaging in certain behaviors rather than arriving at a destination. Right. I, I find it so fascinating that, that we're, we're just now talking about this. Maybe others have spoken about it in the past, but for me, it's something that I really, really want to talk about and, and dive into further. After I had my first child 30 years ago, there was so much talk about the postpartum blues, right? And I knew that there was a potential for this to happen to me. So I worked really hard to pursue happiness daily because I knew that there was this ugly thing that could pop up around the corner and ruin the joy that I was feeling as a young mother, as a, as a young wife. So I tried every day to do something new. I would wrap up my kid and walk to the post office. I would go down to the mall. I would, you know, there were things that I did on a daily basis because I felt like if I sat in a, a cold house with a baby by myself while my husband was at work every day, that that thing that ugly thing could pop up around the corner and capture me. And that's kind of been how I have approached happiness my whole life is that I run toward it. I see something and I think that could be it. That could be the thing, but I keep running. It's not that I get there and I say, oh, I found it. I'm happy now, right? So I think it's interesting how we can get caught up in the idea that once we get there, we will find that happiness. I think it has to be a pursuit, which means you're never there, right? You're constantly chasing, constantly pursuing. Do you think that some people just have bad luck? This might go to the genetic thing that we're going to talk about too. Do some people just have bad luck and are destined to be unhappy? Is that part of the genetic thing that you spoke of in your post? And we're going to address that also. Yeah. So, you know, to the genetic piece, I talk about this 10-year longitudinal study of like 1,100 identical twins. And, and in this study, they find that uh, in the study, they found that between 44 and 52% of, of well-being is accounted for by genetic factors. And so that's a pretty hard for a lot of people to hear because uh, about half of what is considered your happiness set point is really down to stuff that's out of your control. And so that is, a, I think, a hard message for people to hear. But I think like you, I'm someone who struggles with being happy. And so I think a lot of that for me is genetic as well. And I understanding that about myself, I don't feel disempowered by it. I just know that there are certain things that I'm going to have to do, exercise, talk to friends, whatever, that are more important for me than they say uh, they are for, say, someone like my wife, who is a lot more sort of naturally content than I am. So I, I think that, that understanding the genetic piece is an, a valuable first step, even though at first blush, it can feel sort of uh, helpless. 
Right. I'm going to call it the Eeyore complex. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into this topic a little bit further. We'll be right back. HR Latte is brought to you by Dovetail Software, a SaaS-based HR case management and help desk solution to ease today's HR departments into tomorrow. Simple but powerful real-time employee engagement, knowledge management, and detailed analytics empower human resource departments and shared services teams to effectively handle any type of employee interaction. Dovetail Software, by HR, for HR. Hey everybody, and we are back. Big thanks, big shout out to Dovetail Software for continuing to sponsor HR Latte. And we're back jumping into a brand new series. This is my Key Point podcast series, The Pursuit of Happiness, talking with Dr. Daniel Crosby, who is the author of The Keys to Wealth. That's correct, right? Did I say that? Correct. The, laws, the laws of oh, wealth. Oh, the laws of wealth. Well, there are several keys that have to do with <laughs> laws, so we'll get that right. The laws of wealth. I just assumed I knew what I was talking about. And um, part of, I believe part of your messaging that you have been distributing in blog posts and so forth and, and on the other shows that you've been on has come from the writing of this, this book and the posts that center around the laws of wealth. So let's talk a bit about the genetic factors. Half of what makes us happy is out of our control. We talked a little bit about this before the break. That is fascinating to me. And I'm wondering if some people will sit back like Eeyore and say, well, there you have it. I'm just not destined to be happy. It's in my genetic makeup that I'm supposed to be this way. I can never find happiness. I don't personally believe that. I know that things happen, obviously, and some people just are naturally grumpy. I'm sure you've met some people <laughs> that are naturally grumpy and, and maybe it happens over time too. You know, if we can study elderly people and and maybe it's because they did that pursuit at thinking once they arrived they were going to be happy and realize oh I spent my whole life looking for happiness and guess what that little bluebird was right in my backyard the whole time and now I'm here and I'm still not happy so what are some of the genetic factors that would cause I, I don't know if you can identify them that might cause us to be unhappy is it just generational would it be situational what do you think I mean, it's just down to the levels of dopamine and things that you get from your parents. And that tends to stay at a, at a relatively set point through life. And again, we're finding stuff. I'm, I'm reading stuff more recently that finds that even the nine months in utero are extremely predictive of your later happiness. Uh, you know, things as simple of how stressed out a mother is during the nine months that she's pregnant does a lot to sort of condition the child in terms of their stress response over the lifetime. I mean, you're in a very real sense conditioning the child for what they're going to expect. So for a, for a mother who, say, lives in a war zone or is a refugee or something, those children are much more likely, uh, first of all, to have uh, autism and other things, but also to have sort of a set point for happiness that's much lower than a mother who enjoys a relatively stress-free uh, nine months. So uh, it's it's pretty crazy to think that uh, as much as half of what we experience as happiness could be determined before we're even born, but that is the case. So that's sort of the glass half empty. Uh, right, but I think right. I think there is I think there is a positive message too, which is well, if half of it's down to your genetics, then half of it's dead down to something else. And of the remaining fifty percent, people tend to assume that most of it's going to be situational. Like, how lucky are you? How how does life give you 
uh, good or bad things. Right. But only 10% of your happiness is due to situational factors. And, and about 40% is due to intentional activities or the choices you make, the purpose you create, the decisions you make every day. You know, of, of the percent that's in your control, about 80% of what's in your control is due to choices you make. And only about 20% of it is whether or not you win the lottery. So that's, I mean, realistically, if we look at this mathematically, that's the difference between pursuing an A in life or, or getting, settling for a D, right? Sure. You actually have the opportunity to get, to rise above the 60% that is out of your control and actually pursue either hobbies or work or partners or friends or decide to not be so closely tied to family. If some of your unhappiness is tied up with the family that you enter or are a part of, because a lot of negativity comes to people with their family, the expectations of family or the, the sadness that lives within a, a family. So it does come down to choices or pursuits or hobbies or, you know, let's just call it choices in life. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've had to really look deeply into this. I'm, I'm going through a very, very sad divorce right now. I mean, it was completely unexpected on my side and, um, a, a very sad situation for me. And I've, I, you know, I took those time, that time that I needed to grieve. But then I realized I, I can't do this. I'm, this is not the person that I am. And, and one of the things that I love to be is happy. You know, I have, I have a wonderful family. I love being with my kids and I found myself being pulled down because of the happiness that I was experiencing due to this sad divorce, right? This devastating thing that happened to me. And as I looked around, I thought, what can I do that is completely different than anything that I've done in the last five years? How can I pull myself out of this place? And it was all about trying new things, meeting new people, reinvigorating my brain by reading new things, by entering different places in my life. And one of the things that I did was do a lengthy road trip, and I have another one coming up soon, and deciding to stop at places I've never been, do things I've never done. and. Is that a way for people to, you know, is, is trying new things part of this thing, this thing that is in our control? Do you think it does come down to expanding your horizons, expanding your brain? Well, it's interesting. You've stumbled onto something that's very research backed as, as it turns out, because, you know, I write about happiness and money in particular. And uh, we a lot of times joke around about retail therapy. So like if you're sad, yeah, like if you're sad, go buy yourself a car or some clothes or whatever. And all the research shows that that buying things actually makes us profoundly unhappy. Because if you think about a thing, first of all, you quickly become acclimated to it. And so even something as as important as a house, like we bought a new house nine months ago. And your house, uh, you know, the first time I walked through my house, which is much larger than our old house, the first time I walked through it, I was like blown away. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe my luck. And then quick, <laughs> quickly, you know, quickly, though, your house becomes the backdrop against which you live your life. And it's just the house. Like, you know, it's not special anymore, um, even if it is objectively a nice house. So things, uh, the, the happiness giving power of things erodes very quickly. But on the other hand, an experience actually gets better with time. So spending money on having experiences with, with ourselves or with loved ones, there's something called rosy retrospection where our experiences uh, actually get better with time. We look at them through rose colored glasses. You know, the, maybe that family vacation you took 10 years ago 
at that moment in time was a bit of a pain in the butt because the kids were whining and whatever. Right, right. Uh, but, but as you recall it over time, you remember it more fondly perhaps than is even true. So, so things get worse with time and experiences get much better. So, uh, that, uh, spending that money is important. That's yeah. really important perspective and well, not perspective, a truth. That's a truth. We need to recognize the truth in that. And there's so much that we gain because of wisdom. Isn't it great? <laughs> like all of a sudden look back and say, okay, this is, this comes because of the experiences that I have. The, the knowledge that I have now is based on experience and knowledge that I've gained over, throughout my life. And I love getting wiser the older <laughs> that I get. <laughs> it's nice to be able to share it with others. Dr. Crosby, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. We're going to dive in deeper to can money buy happiness? Question mark, sort of the post that you recently wrote, you start this post with wealth is the ability to fully experience life, a a rather famous quote by Henry David Thoreau. And and we're going to dive into that in the next episode. Can you give us just a peek into that part of our uh, conversation? Yeah. So we're going to talk about how there there are ways that, that money can buy happiness, but they're probably not the ways that you think. And there's also some interesting research uh, about the point at which money ceases to buy happiness, the sort of salary level at which money ceases to buy happiness. And I think it's actually quite a bit lower than most people assume. So those are some of the things we'll touch on next time. Perfect. Thanks again for joining us today on HR Latte. We'll be back soon continuing this Key Point podcast series, The Pursuit of Happiness with Dr. Daniel Crosby. Thanks. Thanks. 